0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt. Today's guest on the podcast is Matt Siegel. Matt is a professional climber and the owner and founder of Alpine Start, a company that makes instant coffee that actually tastes good to fuel your alpine adventures. You might recognize Matt from Boys and the Bugs, That was a film that featured Matt and his partner, Will Stanhope, who's been on the podcast as they tried to free the Tom Egan Memorial Route in the Bugaboos, which is now possibly the hardest alpine rock climb in the world. Matt has also done the first ascent of several of the most difficult and dangerous trad climbs in the Front Range, including Iron Monkey, an R-rated 14A trad climb in El Dorado Canyon near Boulder, Colorado, And he has also been on climbing expeditions all around the world. I'm going to read a paragraph from the about page on Matt's website. Talking about Matt, it says, Some say if Siegel hadn't become a professional rock climber, he could have made a solid go at it in the world of used car sales. His level of enthusiasm for climbing and adventure is unrivaled. When pitching an idea or trip, Matt's voice creeps up steadily in volume and his gaze becomes more intense. Then, at the crescendo of the proposal, he'll explode with, It'll be great! In this episode, we talked about how Matt got his start in climbing, about some of his early climbing mentors, and about losing friends in the mountains, and how that impacted him. Matt was in a very serious paragliding accident in July of 2017, and we talked about that and what it was like to go through and his ongoing recovery process. And we talked about Alpine Start, how it got started, about building a business, and why Matt thinks it's so important to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Alpine Start just launched a Kickstarter to kick off some new products, a coffee with benefits and a matcha, which we talk about in the episode. I highly recommend checking that out, and you can find a link at the top of the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com, and there should also be a link right there in your podcast app. There will be special deals released every week, including a special Climbers deal that drops tomorrow, February 9th, so be sure to check those out as well. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Matt Siegel. cause, cause, no one
1: can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I'm 36 years old. I've basically been doing the same shit for, like, 23 years, minus Alpine start, and a brief stint with
0: paragliding. (laughs) It's just changed a little bit. (laughs) you still enjoy it (laughs) yeah i do for sure
2: i totally still enjoy it but it's just kind of funny because like how many people do you know that's have like this same career for like over 20 years you know like yeah that's a good point our parents not many for sure but
0: yeah yeah they're probably all climbers yeah yeah yeah, totally (laughs) yeah Yeah. it started young and got really good yeah yeah yeah. maybe they've like branched out into different styles
2: and stuff yeah i mean i've done that Mm. gone back and forth but for sure it's it's the, the expeditions have gotten a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. and uh things have gotten a little bit more dangerous <laughs> and but for this for general purposes, I'm still starting at the bottom and trying to go to the top of whatever it is <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the the theme if there's a theme in your climbing as you're perceived from the outside is that you do very a lot of bold, scary stuff you know hard scary trad single pitch hard trad head pointing that sort of thing. But I want to get in, into a little bit of your origin story and how you got to there. Mm-hmm. And I thought we could start with uh, an old nickname of yours. Tell me about Miami Vice.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I started climbing in Miami, Florida in the gym, basically. Like I uh, I climbed a little bit before then when I was like really young, like eight, nine, 10 or whatever, 12 uh, at a camp in North Carolina that I used to go to in the okay. summer times uh, and then came home one summer. I was like, 13 and there was a gym and just like that's when i really started climbing Mm. like like every you know every day like was at the gym basically and obviously in miami like you're not going climbing outside a ton so it was like (laughs) doing the comps and
0: were you at all going climbing outside at all
2: on vacations i would okay yeah yeah. on vacations i would so i got kind of taken under like the owner of the gym. Uh, Derek Wagner, who owns a bunch of gyms in Florida, he just opened a gym in Colorado Springs, actually, hmm. and his brother Keenan Wagner, okay. who used to be the CEO of USA Climbing, and now is helping out doing like all sorts of contracting work for climbing gyms and stuff like that and climbing companies. They kind of took me under their wing and started training me under Tony Nero's guidance. Oh wow! Which is like kind of like wow. a weird side uh, piece of it. Uh, I think Tony had helped them build the gym. Okay, um, and then. You know they were like oh we got this freaking kid and he's he's pretty strong what do we do you know uh, and derek's background was like gymnastics training kenan's background was hippie in west virginia <laughs> and uh you know a, a mixture of both of those and tony like kind of got me to be like a kid prodigy in miami at least type of mm. thing and like they i was immediately training like I was, okay. I started training at a young age, not just climbing in the gym, training, like camp and hangboarding and like wow. doing repeaters like way back when, you know, cause Tony was like kind of one of the first American climbers to really like up the training game. Like totally. That's kind of what I think he's known for, what he should be, you know, one of the things he should be known for for sure. It's like kind of that leveling up thing. Um, but back to the Miami vice n- name, uh, I started doing the comps. I was probably like 16 at the time. Like, I did the youth comps, and then there's the PCA, which was the Professional Climbers Association. Mm. Do, you, have you, do you know about that? No, <laughs> the PCA, I don't think so, in my opinion, was like the golden days of competition climbing. Okay, like it was go when we're done with here, go look up some videos of the PCA. Okay, it was I absolutely will. I'll link to them in the show notes. Too. It was it was epic <laughs> climbing wasn't a family sport back then okay like it was <laughs> like a show like, you know this was like in salt lake city where the most of them pusher cordless s7 those were like the main sponsors of the show the characters who ran it i shouldn't say any names because oh, i could get <laughs> people in trouble but it was like a wild party hmm. and i you made it to finals like 10 people made it to finals i remember being in Finals with a good friend of mine at the time, Rob D'Anastasio. He was oh, my yeah. age too. Yeah. And like, we were just back there with like all of our heroes, literally, like from like Chris Sharma to, you know, Francois Legrand and oh, I wow. think Yuji Hiriyama even did some of them, you know, like all of Malcolm Smith, like all the Euros would come because they do it around the trade show. So it was this epic, like, competition scene. And it was a little bit more playful than they are now. Like hmm. serious, like people were throwing down on boulders, but it was a little bit more playful, and everybody had nicknames. So uh, mine was mine was uh, Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was it was just I don't really know how to describe it, but it was kind of just as much about the after party as it was about the climbing, okay. and and it was like just yelling and screaming, and it was like it was just the, the energy level was way higher than comps are now, mm. but it was way. I don't want to say less serious, but it was, it was more of a showy, you know, I'm sure there are comps now that are like this. I haven't been to one, you know, but I've heard about it, but it's like, it was, just, it was, it was for the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. the, the entertainment, like you'd get out and you'd be like, Oh my God, what am I supposed to do? And it was like dinos and jumps. And like, you know, like before that was like world cup style was a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this was like, what, you know, early on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you wearing like white dress shirts? And I used <laughs> to like, and it, that was part of it too, is we all used to like just have fun with it basically because we were like, it was, f- I don't know, if, if climbing wasn't as serious as it is now. So like, yeah, I used to like, like my nickname is my advice, so I would wear a white sports coat and I had these like pink slacks. <laughs> white sports <and>, coat. <laughs> yeah, and Jason Keel used to like take his number and like pin it to the back of his skin. Like, oh my god! People gosh. used to wear like chaps and like, you know, just like do all sorts <laughs> uh, of crazy things things you know like it yeah. was just it was it was just as much about like
0: being outlandish as it was about climbing hard mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. yeah so you go from kind of a more traditional kid in the gym starting in comps sort of background mm-hmm. but then you you kind of skip all of like the normal steps that people take towards boulder or like extreme climbing you know you didn't get into outdoor bouldering and then sport climbing and then dabble in trad climbing it seems like you pretty quickly went straight to like pretty real scary trad climbing. Yeah.
2: There, there, you know, there was a couple years where I did boulder and sport climb a fair bit, but I was, I was, those were my competition years too. Okay. But I didn't like, I never like dove in super deep. Like some of my mm. peers did. Mm. Uh, and that are still like sport climbing now, mm-hmm. you know, like I definitely was like, Doing the comps, would go bouldering. Like had a bunch of time where I like bouldered in Rocky Mountain National Park a bunch, and like sport climbed a little bit. And then, but the majority of my climbing was focused around the competitions. And I think when I was probably like my early twenties, I was just like over the competitions, and needed something to fill that void kind mm. of thing. And and honestly, bouldering and sport climbing wasn't wasn't it, you know. Mm. And I uh, was introduced Naomi Guy who I actually met through the PCA comps uh, introduced me to this guy, Eric Takaria, hmm. who was like kind of my track climbing mentor and still a good friend today. Um, he put up numerous routes in Indian Creek and Mill Creek and Dorado Canyon. And he kind of took me under his wing and we like, I was like, okay, this is cool. Hmm. Like, I'm into this. And it was like literally the, the same kind of mental and physical stuff, you know, just a little bit more extreme in some ways. Uh, you know, like when you're, Doing a competition, as, like, comp. yeah, because when you're doing a competition, it's, like, it's your time now. You have to perform. Like, doesn't matter. Right. Like, the crowd's there. Like, there's pressure. You know, doing scary track climbing was always, like, okay, you have to, to be physically, like, climb something physically hard. And, you know, there's the serious mental capacity, too, because you don't want to get hurt. Mm. Um, which I'd, like, experienced that at a really young age, too. Like, when I was, like, 16, I did a trip to Waco tanks that was kind of, yeah, I think I was 16 because it was during this PCA time. And I me- I met was supposed to... My mom let me go by myself because I was supposed to meet up with the climbing team in Dallas. Okay. And they didn't show up because of a snowstorm. <laughs> okay. So I was just like there in like Waco <laughs> by myself. And uh, I like was staying at the Rock Ranch at the time. Rob Rice owned it. And there was a bunch of just climber bros and i'm like a mm. 16 year old kid they're getting me stoned i'm just like ah <laughs> like you know like just like kind of like drinking and smoking and like my mom is like wait what are you, who are you who are you with like what is happening and eventually on this trip i met ty foos who uh lives in waco i think he still lives in waco he's mm. he was the founder of eGrips. Oh, okay and he took me around bouldering because he was a guide and we like i did my first highball Wow. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, and that was, it was this thing called the gerbil. Okay. Uh, I don't know where it is exactly, but I think it's like, I don't know, it's probably somewhere between V4 and V6 or something, you know? Yeah. And I just remember being like, he was like, you got it, like, you'll be fine, like, don't get hurt, you know? And I was like, if I get hurt, my mom's going to kill me, (laughs) you know? And it was just like, I was like, but it was cool because it was like, it was definitely like a pivotal moment that I kind of forgot about for many years. Interesting. But I liked the, I liked getting scared and being able to like reel it in, hmm. you know? So, and, and a lot of, I often refer to that as like the first experience of kind of track climbing, even though it was just like a highball boulder, you know? And I'm sure now I'd go there and be like, it's not that high, <laughs> you hmm. know, but at the time, you know, being 16 and just like, you know, back then it was a little, little different. I think hmm. the standards for highballs and everything was a little lower. Sure. So, yeah. Um, crash pads were a little thinner. Crash pads were the same, but it just wasn't, you just didn't bring 20, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know why, but you didn't have 20. You yeah, know?
0: Right. yeah. So I reached out to Will Stanhope before this conversation and asked him what I should ask you about. Uh-oh. One of the things that he, he was actually really nice to you, okay. <laughs> he, he didn't have any crazy stories or at least he uh, filtered them. But one thing he, he said, I should ask you about, he said, ask him about the mentorship of Micah Dash. Eric Dicaria and Johnny yeah, and his transition into track climbing. So you just mentioned Eric. Yeah. Where do those other names fit in? So
2: I was in my mid twenties at this point, um, when I met Eric and through Eric, I met Micah and Johnny. Okay. There were, I was the young kid for, I mean, up until a couple of years ago, I I always feel like I was always the young kid in like the track climbing circles for sure. Um, and, yeah, they were like super. Uh, it's hard to like really dive into. They both died um, oh, okay. in China, uh, Micah and Johnny, uh, on a expedition. Uh, they did. A, there was a Sender Films movie about it many years ago. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, they were going to climb Mount. Edgar. I
0: didn't make the connection. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, it was funny because Eric was like the "Let's climb hard, let's do dangerous shit and climb hard," and like Micah was the like oh, "I want to climb hard." but like, man, like I'm not that good, but like, I just like climbing on El Cap and like, we should go climb big walls in Pakistan together. And then like, Johnny's just like, whatever, dude, let's just climb everything. Like (laughs) not, you know, not like 512 climber, but like could climb 511 in any situation, you Mm -hmm. know, like he's, he's a big freaking dude. Uh, Micah was a small little guy and Johnny (laughs) was huge. Uh, and I mean, it was, you know, for example, like, yeah, I cut my teeth in Eldo with Eric and then like, I free climbed El Cap with Micah. We did the free rider over numerous amounts of days, uh, 2007 or something. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, like, he was, like, one of the people that, like, really took me and was, like, yeah, let's go climbing in the mountains, you know, like, let's go spend. And and Johnny, too, because Johnny, prior to that trip to El Cap, Johnny, we went to the Wind River Range. Okay. Uh, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna go put up a route on Mount Hooker, which is like funny because I just like started up a new route on Mount Hooker this summer because I, I hadn't been back since. And uh, Johnny was like, and we get to Mount Hooker and, and it was like, oh, this is gonna be too hard and we don't have enough bolts. We should go do that. And I'm like, hey, whatever. I'm like a freaking mid twenty year old scrawny like, and he's like, yeah, and we're gonna split the weight. You're gonna carry just as much as I do. And he literally probably weighed. 60 pounds heavier than me. And he's like we're just going to move camps like over this pass to another like another total zone and I'm like oh my god I can't walk. Um uh, but he was the guy that was like like if Eric taught me like the intricacies and the art form of like single pitch hard headpoint trad climbing, Johnny was the influence that was like the polar opposite of that. He was like here's a triple set go for it. Like on site, like, you know what I'm saying? And like, literally like that's what it was. It's like, he's like, really, I need to, this looks like a finger crack. Like I need to bring two number fours. He's like, yeah, you got to bring the whole rack. (laughs) Like you're leading. That's the deal. And I was just like, but I can't move, you know? And Micah was like somewhere in between. Like I think Micah started climbing the valley and he, you know, that's where Mike and I's friendship really flourished because he, he could, play in both. Like he was really interested in climbing harder routes and then was really good at the other stuff. So, so we kind of like went back and forth a little bit more. Johnny was always like, what, what, what do you want to try? You know, but, uh, <laughs> Johnny was also a photographer and we spent a lot of time. He spent a lot of time shooting Eric and I, uh, we did like w- almost like a year. We shot an article for Alpinist on, oh, wow. uh, kind of, it was kind of on Eric and I's friendship and mentorship. Hmm. written by my ex-girlfriend actually just got a classic <laughs> nice yeah, yeah yeah i'll
0: have to dig that one up yeah you
2: should it's called the end of the beginning we named it okay uh abby smith wrote it and she's still a great friend of mine and uh is named after a route that we put up that we named it after uh like a merce song or living legends or merce merce yeah okay like okay hip-hop yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those guys but in other ways too like they were a huge influence on me and then they were like the first of like so many friends to like mm. pass away in the climbing community because mm. they they died when i was probably <clears throat> I was like 26 or something no yeah 26 like 10 years ago mm. um and that was like a huge hit to have like yeah. two of my closest friends like die together you yeah. know um and that was like a, a a tragedy for the boulder climbing community and and all of us. I didn't climb for quite some time. It took really? like, yeah, I like had a couple of really heavy incidences where I went out with another really good friend of ours, John Dickey, who's also used to be a climbing photographer and like just broke down on the diamond and couldn't deal. And then uh, it took, they died in the springtime. It took until I actually went to the Bugaboos with Will and we like just, top, I top her up all season. We, we didn't mm-hmm. start trying the Uber project that year. We just went in did some other stuff and then uh it took going to majorca of oh, all places wow yeah i went on we had like a north face trip to majorca and it was just uh it's just you can't not have fun there mm. so it's like kind of like pulled me out of the slump of just not being motivated and mm. being depressed because so we had a good crew and the water's warm and yeah
0: climbing's dope yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> If I remember rightly uh, from that film, Micah and Johnny died in the mountains. I think it was an avalanche. Mm-hmm. How has that informed your climbing and, and your kind of trajectory as far as? Because you, you engage in so many different facets of the sport. Has that had an effect on you what know, you choose their, to do? And not their do?
2: death didn't really change my trajectory in some ways. I mean, it really affected me. Uh, in a lot of ways, but I didn't like not do things. I mean, I didn't. Not, I did not do things for quite some time, for like a while. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I was like on the same, same path. But those guys were into more different, like you know, more mixed ice and snow. And mm. I, I never got. I never headed that way. But I don't think I was going to head that way,
0: mm. gotcha.
2: even if they didn't die. To be honest, that's just not my thing. Okay, gotcha. I'm not that into it.
0: Yeah, um, I'd love to ask about some of your other climbing heroes and maybe mentors. And I was looking at your website and I was looking at your about page and uh, you mentioned Yuji Hirayama a little bit ago. There's an amazing photo (laughs) of the two of you. Yeah. Yuji's like,
2: I love Yuji. Yuji's definitely like, just as a kid, like growing up, you like, look, I don't know. I think he was just, he's just the, the, one of the dopest all arounders, you know? Like, I think I just like really admire that about, about him and there's other people too. But I mean, like he, you know, sport climbs really hard, track climbs really hard, and kind of just unabashedly is himself. Mm-hmm. Like he just like does does his thing, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is really, you know, like really inspiring. And he's just such a pleasure to be around. Like he's always so positive and so happy and just like yeah. the uh, the
0: caption over the photo just says enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do you know what photo I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Can yeah. you, can we're you on describe like, it? it. <laughs>
2: it's like this photo of Eugene and I, and we're like, like riding these like child's bikes <laughs> and we're just <laughs> both just psyched they we, we were in greece at like a like a big north face event and there was okay yeah um but yeah there's a over the years a lot of climbers that i've definitely looked up to i think bay camberlander is another kind of one that a lot of people maybe don't know but i always I found mean, his yeah. climbing to be he's another austrian kind of all-arounder what's he's his name Swiss. again i think he's austrian bat okay uh camberlander camberlander but he's like developed that zone the radicon okay a lot so he put up silver and like a bunch of these routes that have gotten press a lot in recent years Mm -hmm. but just like his style of like going ground up placing bolts on lead and just like taking these massive whips and (laughs) yeah it's rad you're just like
0: holy jeez yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think i've read his name but never knew how to pronounce it yeah uh A big chunk of this podcast is just going to be me asking you about really interesting facts that I stumbled upon when I was preparing for this. Yeah, that's So you went to Naropa University Uh in in Boulder. Yeah. And given that you started a a business, it was really interesting to me to hear about what you studied. You did a double major in, and correct me if I'm wrong, but religious studies with a focus in Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah. Buddhism. And then uh, psychology why what was the interest there i mean the unexciting
2: answer to that question is that (laughs) from a very young age like i knew i wanted to be a professional climber Mm. and i also knew that my family really wanted me to go to college okay so i moved out here and went to community college and was just like what what the hell am i going to like go to college for you know and uh through some climbers i had like heard about naropa and was just like well i'm really interested in this like really interested in buddhism and religious studies so like why don't i just do that like i I honestly there was no there was no like oh this is going to be a career path Mm. like degree um further along in my college education i had moments where i was like oh maybe i'll apply for grad school and go the academia route or you, you know something like that but I also was like kind of holding out for the big deal to start climbing full time too, you know? Like, so I was Uh like, I was like, I love school and I don't regret it at all. Like going to college. I think it's, I think it was awesome. And I like learned a lot of cool stuff that I still like integrate into my life, but there was no, there was no outcome that I saw really. Like Mm -hmm. I really wanted to climb Mm -hmm. Yeah, at that age. Like I was like fully, yeah. I was like, going to school, getting great grades, you know, Mm I got great grades, um, and
0: then climbing as much as I could. Okay. Is there anything from either of those fields that you feel like you've carried with you? Uh, mm, I mean,
2: yeah, I feel like there's like a whole, that's a hard question. I mean, psychology is like, you know, you're dealing with interpersonal relationships on a day-to-day basis. So I feel like there's like a empathy and like a way of dealing with people and, uh, Dealing's not really the best word, but a way of engaging with the world and like other humans around you. Yeah, you know that I feel Navigating like I relationships. yeah I, that I definitely carry from that, and then yeah the the Buddhist religious study stuff something that's like come in and out of my life over the the years okay. for sure kind okay. of thing. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't know I don't like really call myself anything or practice anything currently, but I, it's something that's like like a like a lens that mm. I feel like. I use
0: often, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So as I mentioned just a minute ago, you did, you have recently started a business, Alpine Start. Yes. Selling instant coffee for people that want to go into the mountains and wake up early. Did not go to school for that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm curious about that. Do you, going to school for business is, is just an interesting idea to me. And it seems that I don't know the numbers on this, but it seems maybe like that it's 50, 50, you know, like half the people that went to business school actually started business businesses. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of business entrepreneurs are people that just decided to do something one day. Yeah. Do, do you feel like,
2: yeah, I feel like you don't need, you don't need to go to business school to start a business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, do I wish uh, you
0: had, is there not at all. Okay. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, were there any lessons that you had to learn the hard way that you Oh a lot that you wish you could have avoided? Oh, there's a
2: lot of lessons. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not saying that it's easy and there's not things to gain from business school, but I don't think you have to. You mm-hmm. know, I I founded the company. We'll take a couple steps back. Mm-hmm. I had the idea for the company in the bugaboos with Will. Okay. Um, and it was kind of like <laughs> when you guys were cleaning
0: shit yeah yeah i was like i'm fucking cleaning shit
2: i need a better job um but you know honestly it was it wasn't that moment but that's kind of funny uh but like will was like training to be a guide like to go get his like full rock guide cert you know like cert to like guide to yeah. like he's also a professional climber but like you know to like supplement that income and then eventually probably take over you know that's like we know we're not gonna be professional climbers forever. Um, And I was like, wow, do I wanna be a guide? Like, do I wanna do that? Do I wanna go down that road? And like really questioning it all and was kind of just like, I don't think I wanna be a guide. <laughs> like, I don't think I wanna do that, you know? And, and had this idea, I was like reading a bunch of like, kind of like sociology books, some Malcolm Gladwell books and was kind of mm. like, you know, like there's Starbucks, this is the only product here, like in Mm. this space, you know, it was like, I wonder if if I made an instant coffee that was from cool people like me, (laughs) you know, and it had a cool name and was a cool brand. And maybe, you know, hopefully it tastes better than Starbucks, but maybe it tastes just as good. I bet I can convince a lot of people to buy it instead of Starbucks, you know, Mm. it was kind of like the deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have had the idea without Starbucks in Mm. some ways, you Mm -hmm. know, like they were the ones that like kind of, were were so big that they, like, instigated me to think that I can do it too. Huh. Um, And I came back and had a friend at the time who co-founded the company with me, Alex Hannafin. She's a a Boulder native. She didn't go to college. Okay. Um, But she had been working in the food industry for quite some time, and one of the jobs that she did was, like, starting and creating and marketing new products. Hmm. Um, So we... it's probably not until a year and a half later, after I had the idea that we had some products out, um, and then we launched the company. Maybe a year in, we made our first hire, Mikey Crouch, and then it's been a couple years now. Um, Alex has since left um, the company and is no longer involved with the day to day. We still are in touch and, and everything, and it's and Mike and I. Uh, run the show okay um and have hired you know a couple people and uh going from there but i don't think you know mike has a college education kind of i don't know that he actually (laughs) i don't know that he actually does but he's a good friend he's like a climber surfer snowboarder you know like we we have that uh kind of mentality Mm. at the at the business And, and i think we just wanted to start something i we saw a need in the outdoor community. And then now we're like, you know, we're in Whole Foods and we're in Safeway and King Supers and we're in REI, but it's more of like, kind of like moving towards just creating cool shit. Cool. That tastes good. Yeah. You know, like we Amazing. we launched two products after the, like we, so we started with one, just black coffee. Uh-huh. And then we launched two other products, which is a coffee with the creamer, non-dairy creamer, and then like a dirty chai, okay. with coffee and chai spices. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, I think I, you know, you asked, did you learn anything? And I think, yeah, there's, there's things that like I would have done differently in launching new products and like how we've gone about like a lot of the business stuff, but moving forward, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're psyched. We survived 2020.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's quite so an accomplishment. <laughs> that
2: feels like quite an accomplishment. Uh, and you know, we've been working pretty hard on getting some new products out there. So that, mm. that's been kind of fun. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things people are like, well, what do you do? Like, what, like, what do you do? Like, you don't have any business background. Like, what do you do? And that's a good question. I don't always know how to answer it because <laughs> sometimes I don't do a lot. Sometimes I feel like I don't do a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, but at the same time, this thing would not exist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. You, so. And, you know, I feel like, you know, Mike, Mikey's a star. He like really runs the ship. And, Mm -hmm. um, we recently hired Andrea CK, who I don't, she's a climber, really talented climber. Actually just did her first V11, which is pretty freaking dope. Sick. She's like second, second in command. Okay. Uh, next to Mikey. So she's like helping us with operations and everything. Um, she's actually on a climbing trip right now to Flagstaff. But yeah, the main focus that I try to do at the company is like the innovation stuff. Mm, okay. So, new um, I help does. out a lot with the marketing and all that stuff. But, and like the big high level decisions of like where we're going to go and where we're going to take the company. Um, but new products is definitely the thing that I'm the most passionate about with us. And Mikey and I work together, but I typically would tend to like take the lead on that stuff. And then, and then I go climbing because it's still. 50 50 for me i'd like to say it's 50 50 but depending on the month sometimes it's 90 10 either way (laughs) oh okay okay that makes sense yeah i mean yeah i don't take a big salary from alpine start it's not like you know like i I like take a little bit from from my pro climbing stuff and from from the business but it's more for for me it's more yeah i don't know how to describe it but it depends on the month sometimes i'm i'm around more like this year during covid i was around a lot Mm -hmm. for the business okay Yeah, and involved a lot more. And then some months I'll be like, okay, I'm out. And when I'm out, I'm out. Like
0: in Wyoming for two weeks, I'm like off
2: the grid. Uh Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cell phones off. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a quote from you that says, fortunately I've created a team at Alpine Start that can fill in the gaps where I lack. Yeah, which is like, like the gap from point A to point B, basically like that's the gap.
2: (laughs) I mean, like these guys don't need me here anymore. Half the time I fucking charge, like I come in and I'm just like, Oh, we should do this. We should do this. We should do
0: this. And they're like literally trying to run the company and sell products. So, um, but (laughs) well, this is, this is really interesting. I mean, I think what good founders do is they find the right people. Yeah. I mean, there's so many cheesy corny business
2: quotes, but they're (laughs) true. Like, you should surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. That's obvious. Like if you're not doing that, like you're not going to have a successful business and I've done that, you know? So I think, I think that's like, that's a key one. And, and it's also like, like culturally, I think it's really important to, Mm. to like be able to like fill in the gaps as well. Like for, you know, like I could do, there's things that I can do and there's things that I can't do, but it's like, like everybody's gone right now, you know? So, we have another employee, Gretchen, we had this, like, um, a scare that maybe somebody was sick and I was like, okay, well, if I can't go on a trip, then I'll stay, you know, like Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in, I'll fill in for that, you know? Mm. So I think having a team that everybody steps in for each other is really important, Mm. but also like in my position being like, I'm gone a lot. I'm not going to be like, yo, Mike, like you got to be at the office, you know, like, (laughs) he's a CEO for one. He can do what he wants, but he knows that I'm going to support him. He's in Baja right now. You know mm, what I'm cool. saying? He knows that like, I'm going to be like, yeah, dude, like you need a break. Yeah. Like go surfing. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. same with Andrea. It's like, Andrea, like, of course you could take a week or two weeks off to go climbing as long as you're like responding to emails. He, you, you know, so I think, I think it goes both ways of like, fill, you know, filling mm-hmm. in and, and what's the point too, if you can't like if you're not having fun, like, in life, like, what, I, I don't know, I don't believe in just people putting their head down and just, like, ignoring everything else and working. So, yeah. if I don't do that, I can't expect the people that work for the company to do that. So, and I don't. Yeah. How have you found those people? Like, how do you think about hiring and, like, what are you looking for? Mike new- Mike was luck in a lot of ways. I would say Mike. I mean, he's, he now is the CEO and, and he found us. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So his story is pretty pretty interesting. Is that he started a, a pet food company, Bixby okay. and Buckley, with his brother, and then they're doing great. They're in like all like they're pretty large, and I think he just reached a point where he's like, I love my brother, but I I don't want to work with him mm. anymore. I just want to do something different, you know? Like I want to. Sure. Yeah. He's still involved with the pet food companies, but I think he's just like, I want to like I I want to be able to just like branch out and do something different. And his brother James is running. The pet food company and now you know he's he's running here and that was he he heard about us and like was like oh that's a really cool idea like let's you know and it's funny he wasn't a coffee drinker before he before he oh, started really? here and now he's like oh, on coffee um he's <laughs> got an IV drink yeah, yeah uh and then you know we've hired we've we've hired and and people have quit and we've let go people and um it's tricky and and our most recent we recently hired two people and Honestly, both of them, one of them is our friend, Andrea, who I've known for a super long time through the climbing world. And um, and then Gretchen is came highly recommended from our, our bookkeeper. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know, what was the question? How do I find these people? <laughs> uh, yeah. Culture Cultural fits mm. are really important for me. Mm. You know, I think Mike would argue with me about that. And that's that's kind of why we're really good for each other because we like Mm. all like he's he like wants someone that's gonna you know the resume and do the great job and and i'm like yeah that's really important we need that but they also need to be able to fucking deal with us because we're a handful (laughs) and they need to be cool you know like and and that's like really important you know like sure yeah. So um it's a small team still. Yeah, we're small. I mean, we're a small team. Yeah. So four or
0: five people or six
2: people. In the office typically there's me, Mike, Andrea, and Gretchen. Okay. And then we have some part time people. Okay. Like my sister's been involved from day one. She's in LA. Okay. Um, she does like graphic design. Um, we have a bookkeeper and we have like a part time CFO. Okay. Um, so but in the office there's us and I I'd known Andrea for quite some time and uh she had just graduated from business school and I was like I think, you know, let's try it. And Mm. and it's been awesome. So I think there's like the gut instincts about hiring. That's like important. And to me, I lean towards not what you've done, but who you are Mm. and like
0: how you like engage. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about a few products that you sell. Yeah. So you obviously sell the coffee. You just mentioned like your three main products that you sell. You also sell some gear, clothing and other stuff. Now scrolling through that, Tell me about the waterproof mini notebook. Oh, yeah. That's just like a fun, like we were just like, just to do
2: like some cool like notebooks, st- like some cool kind of not super expensive items that are like, you know, encourage people to take notes. It's like for us as a company, you know, we were all about the morning and like I, drinking your coffee. Like, what do you do when you drink your coffee? It's kind of like a time to reflect. It's t- mm. kind of like a time to like. I don't know like not relax like relax and chill and start your day and you know we're like oh a lot of people journal during that time so that was like our idea around that okay yeah if you're in the mountains and yeah 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 Yeah. and there's this cool there's a cool company i can't remember the name of it but they do like uh waterproof pens and and uh books and stuff okay yeah Yeah. do you keep a journal Mm, not always i have in the past but I go through phases. Yeah, I write a lot on my computer, but it's not quite a journal. Like I'll write letters to people that I don't send, and I'll like, oh, that's write really things, interesting. But I, I don't. Uh,
0: it's normally just in like random Word docs to just kind of process. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've been doing that for a while. Actually, it's like a weird. I don't know. I don't no, know. that's I'm yeah I'm yeah
2: very fascinating. Sometimes by I this. get sent. You know who you are. You've gotten them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, oftentimes they don't get sent. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, does that just help you like offload thoughts? Well, or? I think when I was younger, I used to send them all the time. Then I realized that that wasn't really for them; it was more for me. Interesting. So I stopped sending them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it all letters? What else do you write? Mm, it depends. Randomly, I, I I like I haven't journaled in quite a long time, but I've written some stuff over the years for magazines and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I have to write a lot of stuff over the months and weeks for Alpine Start. So it's like, it's like kind of work, but fun. And yeah,
0: I like to keep things funny. Yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) Cool. How has this business changed your lifestyle, if at all? Are you able to kind of maintain the balance that was to you before and? I mean, it's different. I mean, before Alpine
2: Start, I didn't really have anything going on besides Has this brought brought more fulfillment? For sure. It's definitely brought way more fulfillment it's kept me in boulder a, a little bit more okay which is fun but it's also like helped me focus a little bit more um and which is sweet yeah i would say like focus on the business and then focus on training and stuff like that and i think i was mentioning to you before like this year we've put a lot i've put a lot of effort in innovation and new products and mm-hmm. we've got some new stuff that's coming down the pipeline that i'm pretty excited about for yeah. Sure.
0: yeah 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 Let's circle back to that because you. before we started talking here on the on the record, you were mentioning that some of those products were born out of your own recovery. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a question from a listener. I, I send out who I'm mm-hmm. having on the show to some people that support the show. And I got a question from a listener about your paragliding accident. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I, I had forgotten about it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it at the time, but um, it was some years ago. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. So, I got into paragliding
2: maybe just four and a half, five years ago or something like that. And it was kind of like a point in my climbing that I, was, I wasn't I was getting fulfilled as much as I was before. Probably like stemming from like being in the Bugaboos with Will and not like sending the crux pitch and just being like, <laughs> honestly, like there's probably wow. a piece of it. And yeah. it was kind of just like, oh, I, want, I just need to do something different. And... I started paragliding. I really wanted to, ba- to go ba- to head the base jumping route and then just literally too many, fr- like too many friends. Like I went and did my like skydiving AFF course and was like on my way back to like try to like finish up my A license and Sean Leary passed away in a base jumping and I was just mm-hmm. like, I can't like, I canceled the trip and c- couldn't do it. And then mm-hmm. a couple months later, Cedar Ride and I got into paragliding and I don't know. It was just like one of those things I was like kind of climbing, kind of not climbing. Like I was way fascinated by like the aspect of climbing mountains and flying off of them. Mm. And we did a really cool trip to Mexico probably after having been paragliding for nine months or a year where we like climbed to this peak called Pico de Orizaba. It's the highest mountain in Mexico and maybe the third highest mountain in North America or something. Oh, wow. Um, It's pretty high. It's above 18,000 feet and successfully very sketchily, uh, there's a movie about it. It's called the fledglings, uh, flew off and I was like, this is cool. Like, holy, wow. Like just, you know, climbed up this mountain by an easy route, you know, and flew off. It was like, I was like, I want to do more of this. Like, I'd love to, you know, like love to do that. Um, so obviously what the next steps is like, you know, like, let's go to the Himalaya, (laughs) Obviously. uh, uh, obviously, duh, and Cedar wasn't that interested in that style of paragliding of like the climbing mountains and flying off of it. He was really more inspired by the, cr- what's called cross country flying or it's where you fly super long distances, mm. which is amazing. Like Catching I, like, thermals I, I, and stuff? Catching thermals and yeah, I did a little bit of that, like in the Sierras too, like before my accident flew like hundred kilometers and it's dope. Wow. And, uh, that's, how long does that take? Took me like six hours. Huh? Yeah. But people do way farther than that. Like okay. People fly like 250, 250 miles. I think Cedar's flown like 200 miles. Jesus. Maybe I'm confused on my miles and kilometers, but I know people <laughs> have flown like 230 miles. Okay. Yeah. You just like go I flew to the, 50 kilometers. Go to the bathroom up there, you just yeah. go and, and... Yeah, you kind of like... <laughs> yeah, I flew 50K. Right. Uh, it's been so long. Okay. But um, yeah, so I was planning a trip with Jeff Shapiro... And this guy, Cody Tuttle, to go climb this mountain called Monaslu. Okay. And uh, it's 8,000-meter peak in Nepal. And it was like that was the idea. And I was training a bunch at the time, climbing a little bit, training a lot. Was actually in the Sierras with Cody, who's actually since passed away from a really bad paragliding accident. Um, and uh, climbed Mount Tom, which is if you've been to Bishop, it's the highest. Mm. It's like that big mountain right above the mm-hmm. Buttermilks. And I basically went to launch and, like, got picked up in the air by a really strong thermo and, like, slammed on the ground. Whoa. And it was pretty, pretty rugged experience. I broke both arms really bad, like, compound fracture. had, like, a laceration in my leg that was, like, bleeding pretty bad. I broke C1, T1, my pelvis in a bunch of spots, Jeez. a bunch of ribs, Oof. my scapula. That's a weird one. <sighs> got pretty banged up. Uh, and... Yeah, it sucked. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I was up there for like eight hours without pain meds and kind of like got flown, airlifted out by a Chinook, <laughs> taken to the Bishop Hospital, and then like air ambulance to Reno. Oh my God. Where I was there for like 10 days, <clears throat> two weeks. Yeah. And then came home and started the long recovery process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How long was the recovery process?
2: um i was in a neck brace for 10 weeks
0: Dang.
2: yeah and then fortunately the only really bad breaks were my arms like the neck and back stuff kind of was my i didn't need surgery for that stuff i needed surgery for both arms but uh climbing a little bit after like three months yeah and then i kind of plateaued for like almost two years hmm like just climbed, didn't climb anything harder than thirteen A for like two years, and then took about two years, and I climbed my first fourteen A last summer. Oh wow! Since the accident, yeah. amazing. Yeah, did a bunch. Got like I felt it took. It, I felt like it took me two years to get back in shape.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it physical limitations, or was it also a bit of both? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, it was like, and, and that's like a whole other thing too. Is like, yeah, the mental, like, it's like a visceral feeling of splatting that like, I, do, I don't want to do it again, whether it's like on anything, you know, it's like a it's like a weird, weird thing. But also in those years, like right after the accident, once everything was healed and I could exercise and stuff, climbing just wasn't that fun for me because it hurt really bad. Mm. It hurt my arms really bad. So I got way into skiing and did a couple really cool ski trips. Just a trip to Alaska and the Yukon on like a rafting mm. ski expedition that was like wow. random. And then I uh, went to, Ski, climb and ski Cotopaxi and Cayambe in Ecuador. Uh, and then eventually, <clears throat> I think it was after those trips to Cayambe and Cotopaxi that I came back and was like fired up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did that trip and then I went and skied in Japan. I was like, you know, whatever. It's <laughs> just kind of like, I was psyched. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> yeah. And came back that winter and was like, okay, I'm psyched on climbing again. When was this? Yeah, yeah
0: two winters ago two winters ago yeah okay yeah
2: okay yeah and then i yeah started training started climbing a bunch spent a lot of time in tent sleep did like that this route f to the a that was like they call fortune a it's probably Mm -hmm. probably soft because it's tent sleep but i love that place (laughs) so much can't uh and then that season two went to rifle and did like a couple Fourteen A's that are probably fourteen A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it took a while, and then it was all kind of gearing up to go on like a mini trad climbing trip. Okay. Um, and I was, I just wanted something that was going to bring me back to like how I used to climb. Mm. In some ways, and uh, I as went as far
0: as how you felt as far as like or?
2: pushing mental physical stuff. Okay. Like it was cool to sport climb and climb hard sport routes, but it was never really my thing. You mm. know, like it's like. I never really progressed that much farther, like 14B, like maybe BC routes, you know, but never like, I just never was that, that into it. Mm. But I was doing it a lot because it was safe and it was easy, you know, and I was like, my mind hadn't really recovered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Mm. But last summer I went to, or two summers, you know, not this, Mm -hmm. This, I guess that's the summer of 2019. Yeah. In the fall, I went to uh, Lake Louise. Oh, Yeah and was trying oh, did you do the, the path? path yeah i actually didn't do the path okay. but i was pretty psyched on how i did on the path okay uh, nice. it was a really wet year okay so uh i don't know like the most dangerous part of the route is like probably only 512 but like it was the hole that you like have to place the gear on after the run out was always wet oh geez um, and i like i got through that a bunch of times and whipped at the end crux and was like you know what like then the weather, came, you know, I only had like a ten day trip, and I don't know, I didn't send, but in so many ways, I was like, you know, this was a successful trip because mm-hmm. I like pushed it, I like got out of my comfort zone, I like kind of like was ballsy up there and like went for it and took some whips and like didn't break my sticks. <laughs> like, <laughs> does that rhyme? <laughs> took some whips and didn't break my sticks. Like, no, Check really. the, the mental. Bones. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. was cool, and yeah. I, I kind of like I needed that, yeah, um, to be able to to be able to do that and make sure that i still had it in me yeah know? and then
0: uh yeah is there anything that you're thinking about or anything that you tell yourself or anything that you try to do when you're tied in and your, sh- and your shoes are on and you're about to go for a, a hard like head point mm. attempt? there's not yeah i do all sorts of weird like cleaning my
2: shoes and like things like like have like weird little habits, but little I, I just, yeah, I just like tried to like calm my mind, I would say. Okay. And just like there's, but I, I don't, I never like think one thing. And if it is one thing,
0: it's like, you can do this. Like you've done it before, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to get to the, the listener question about your accident. He actually had a couple. The first was he was wondering how you handled the initial aftermath of the accident. And I think this is interesting because it's so easy in hindsight to look back and you know you expressed as much. You're like, yeah, it totally sucked. It was terrible, but you know, once we get through a big setback like that, it's easy to lose sight of just how dark it was at the time. Or
2: yeah, it was it was pretty dark. I mean, there were so many things that were dark around that time that wasn't just the accident. To be honest, like mm-hmm. it was like I would just gotten broken up with like in the middle of the recovery from like a girl that I like really, really, really wanted to be with. And a really good friend died like shortly after hitting Kennedy, you know, like died like two months after my accident. So it was like, it was a dark, dark time for sure. And I have a hard time. It's a hard question for me because all those three instances are really tied together in this like kind of dark period in some ways. And it's often been hard to like, differentiate like which is what Mm. um but immediately like after my accident like that month when everything i when all i had was that injury that accident i was bummed and upset and it was dark because it was really hard i mean i broke both arms i couldn't do anything i was like relying on people um i just kept telling myself that my number had been called Hmm. like I'd done so many dangerous things up into that point hmm. that it was just a matter of time. You're kind of like, okay, this is fair. Yeah, kind of. Interesting. I don't know. I always I had that like that was comforting. I guess I don't know yeah. that. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't have used the word comforting, but it's like, it's like when you do dangerous shit, eventually you get hurt. <laughs> like period (laughs) Uh i didn't think it was going to be paragliding because like i'd done so much dangerous climbing stuff that i Hmm. thought i'd get hurt climbing but Hmm. like yeah it's like when you roll the dice a certain amount of times like eventually something's going to happen you know and if you want to ignore that i mean i think that's a problem is that a lot of people don't accept the risks Hmm. you know like in climbing and in life in general they just like and then something happens to them and they're like why me <laughs> you know, and it's like well yeah. <laughs> you got burned playing with fire son you know yeah. like it's kind of like yeah so maybe acceptance and is not to say that comforting. like yeah acceptance not to say that i wasn't bummed and it was like super hard and terrible time but yeah i think i always had that in the back of my mind i was like well You've gotten lucky a lot of times and it seems like you're going to walk away from this one. So mm. this is another time. It's just
0: not as lucky. Mm. Uh, Carson is the listener with the question. Carson also was curious if there are any objectives you had before the incident that you were able to finish since after, after the recovery or any biggest sense that you've repeated that you've been proud of since then?
2: Um, you know, there, there's some ascents that are still on the back burner, some like local things, local trad things that I was honestly hoping to climb on this year, but with COVID, it kind of made it a little bit difficult to get in the kind of shape that I feel like I need to be for it. Okay. Um, and then not really, I think the bigger thing was like getting back to like, you know, like sport climbing at like a level
0: that I find. I guess we you know, you know, we kind of covered it with yeah, the sport but, climbs and then the path. And, but um yeah, nothing in particular. Any this is my question, any major unfinished business that you feel is still kind of like looming over you that or, or that you're still excited about or anything that mostly there's like a local project climbing wise that I'd be really
2: psyched on. There's always like the Tom Egan trying to go back for that, but I don't know that yeah. I don't know that I would. Okay, I'd, I'd need the right partner for it. This is the bugaboo thing. Yeah, with Will. yeah. I, I don't. Know. You don't think we Will would go back with you? No, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. It's like a, <laughs> I don't a pretty know. big a, ask. A part of me is kind of like that chapter's kind of over, and uh, it was unfortunate that mm-hmm. I didn't do it. But I don't know. Maybe I'd go back. It's, yeah. I feel like there's other things that I'm like kind of more psyched on, like mm-hmm. some stuff around here, some stuff in Wyoming, and. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Another listener question. Adriel was curious if you had any tips for training for trad climbing specifically. Uh, he said, obviously it's all climbing, but have you found any workouts that hit the trad muscles more, or exercises that help, anything like that?
2: I think it depends on where you're trad climbing, but like in Colorado in the Front Range, like everything's super bouldery, so I think bouldering is actually like really helpful mm. for trad climbing because it's like oftentimes it like just comes ledgy and comes down to a couple moves. So I mm. find like bouldering to be to be pretty good. Okay, yeah, I would say like a really good crossover. But in recent years, like honestly, I like all sport climbing trained for track climbing too Mm. yeah
0: what about something like the the splitter pitch on the tom egan route Mm. anything you did to prepare for that specifically crack climbed
2: just crack climbed yeah i mean that stuff's so hard to train for because it's such a feel thing Hmm. it's like so like you need sport climbing pump like you need sport climbing forearms and then You need granite toes, like, you you know, like you need to be like honed in on granite. Hmm. Yeah. For a lot of the hard granite stuff, I would say. So I I think it's a balance of like endurance, powerful, whatever it is, like training, and then like also just
0: going out and climbing really easy things. So you get comfortable on your feet. Hmm. Okay. You had another question. As someone who's done a lot of hard trad over small and run out gear and experienced falling on it, do you actually trust the gear in the four to five kilonewton range, especially with bigger falls? And he was wondering if you had any tips for managing expectations with small gear. Four to five kilonewton, what size piece is that? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm so like... Probably like the, you know, zeros, double zeros, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this. I'm
2: really not that... I don't pay attention to like those fine details. Maybe that's part of my <laughs> advice. <laughs> Ignorance <laughs> is I, I mean I understand it a little bit, but like sure, like a triple zero like gray ghost like BD cam or like a like a gray Metolius like cam is slightly bigger than that. Like ideally, yeah, you place two mm. or three, you know. Um even the smaller Ps. Uh yeah, place Ness and go. Mm chances are one of them's gonna catch it uh, but yeah i don't know managing expectations is a tough thing with gear you know i don't i i, I tend to i tend to to trust it mm-hmm. more often but i've also ripped a lot of gear too so <laughs> yeah one time with okay. will actually in china it was really bad and it was like this is pretty small gear it was like purple Metolius size pieces so I was like kind of like decent it's like the whole tom egan splitter pitch is like purple and totally so it's like okay good pieces that we've it's like, like a zero we've like whipped on a lot mm-hmm. right <clears throat> but this was like super run out place this piece and then you do the crux and you place a nest of them and i was like i was like well will you come up here and like look at this just to make sure that this is good like i just need a second opinion and then he's like, "Yeah, I think it looks bomber to me." And I was like, "Fuck, I need a third opinion." I was like, "Dicky, he was the <laughs> photographer." I was like, "Will you look at this and make sure it's good?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, it looks looks great, you know, it looks awesome." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna go for it. And like, we we're this, we we're in China, and Li Ming, and my girlfriend at the time was there, and we, we were trying to like, we knew it was a dangerous route. It was like kind of dangerous before that, those pieces, and I, she didn't really want to be there, and I didn't really want need her to be there, and. Just like, John's gonna come shoot photos, and Will's gonna blame me. And Will is still really timid because he had just gotten back, just gotten back into climbing from shattering his foot, mm. ripping gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so we get up there, and I'm just yeah, like, looks great, dude. And I'm just like, <laughs> I go for it, and it's this route. Uh, it's called, I, I put ended up doing it, it's called Air China, but I'm like in the crux, and it's like refrigerator slapping and whipped, and like the rock explodes oh like the whole piece that like everything was in explodes i like flip upside down god girlfriend was there like walked up right as i left the ground and just like everybody was just like ghostly like literally my head i flipped upside down and my head was like six eight feet off the ground wow yeah super lucky shit yeah and uh eventually i placed a bolt there (laughs) it's (laughs) like Somebody can go do it on gear. But I was like, I'm in the middle of nowhere, China. I feel like this needs a bolt. But, yeah. um, So there's always a time and
0: place with that stuff. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, as far as the place nests and go, if you're placing a bunch of gear next to each other, do you equalize all of that or is it just a bunch of stuff and you clip it all?
2: You know, there's some sneaky tactics for sure that you'll try to equalize. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to kind of go over in a podcast for sure. Like, explain. Like, clipping explain, to each other like, and stuff. And yeah. I'll do that a lot. Like, especially in, like, Indian Creek Splitter stuff type thing. You'll, like, place one piece high and then clip the carabiner on that to the Thumb loop mm. of another, pe- like make a chain, you know, mm-hmm. or in horizontals, do similar stuff where you put carabiners on carabiners, you know, like there's like creative ways of equalizing. You're not, you don't always need to like take a sling out and like equalize it, mm. you know. If it's like a really freaking crazy, hard, dangerous part and I really want to equalize it and it's a head point, I'll pre equalize it mm. on a sling and then place it. I haven't done that in a while, but there's often, there's like, there's like like using a one smaller carabiner and one bigger, you know what I'm saying like there's mm-hmm. like I just got to get creative up there.
0: Mm. Yeah. Are there any of those ascents, any head points that I would not do, do again? The, yes. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do you, well. Do you have a moment that like is the most scared you've ever been on one of those? Any like uh, Yeah. yeah shading moments that there's you can- one route that I did that's
2: since been bolted in the flat irons that I was probably oh, wow. the the hardest, not the hardest, but one of the more, the scariest. I also did it in the summertime and it was really hot. And that kind of changed this thing was called there, primate. Was there an old video of this?
0: There, did, they you, did you place like a weird the, Yeah. There's a vertical big
2: bro. Matt big bro. Samet did the first ascent and then I did the second
0: ascent. Okay.
2: And then it got bolted, which we joke about it. Cause just the MSs were the only dumbasses to do it. <laughs>
0: Ms's yeah, um, <laughs> Sam and Seagull.
2: yeah we yeah it was really hot and like the super run out crux is like a sloper and I was just like oh god this is so bad <laughs> yeah but I didn't <laughs> fall I
0: yeah and I wouldn't do it again yeah <laughs> okay I have a note from Ethan Pringle as well and it says ask him about the time he cut his hand open at a silent Zen. <laughs>
1: <lecture.">
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. I've known Ethan for quite
2: some time. That's a story from, I was in college, and part of my education was I did these super long meditation retreats. Okay. And I was on one that was supposed to be a month long, and like two weeks into it, I was like cutting a bagel and like an English muffin, and like literally severed like two nerves, a tendon.
0: Oh my and it god! Was like
2: the first of many times the doctors told me that I'm not going to climb five fourteen again, but I've proved them all wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, and it, i mean it was more of just it was heinous i mean i was like kind of in my in my like in the pride just done like the iron monkey which is probably still one of the hardest track climbs i've done and yeah and uh, that one's in eldo in eldo and um girlfriend at the time was in waco bouldering and had to like drive back to pick me up and it was just like this weird oh. dark time i like got home and I went to like the classic Bistro right by my house at the time and went to pay and they're like it, it uh declined and it turns out like my bank accounts got hacked.
0: Oh, <laughs> so
2: it's just like I was like broken, you know I was like, and since it's funny, I haven't really thought about that because like since then I've been like way more broken. <laughs> broke and broken <laughs> but like but like you know you're like in college and you're you know it's just like the world's uh, looking good you're yeah, yeah, well. yeah. It was, it's it all... bad and damn but fortunately that healed i still don't have full feeling in my thumb but uh no way yeah, yeah. but i don't it's you know it's the least of my ailments here <laughs> it's like not a big deal i'm good yeah yeah uh, yeah but that was funny. Ethan and I did a lot of trips back in the day, a lot of sport climbing trips mm. and track climbing trips. I feel like I taught Ethan how to track climb, actually. I did.
0: Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> well, he's done very well. So he you sure has. have been a good teacher. Yeah.
2: yeah we did a big trip uh, to Canada and he did the, when he did the path and oh, the Cobra cool. Crack. And,
0: yeah. Okay. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. I've got one final question from Will Stanhope and then uh, a few quick questions I want to wrap up with. Uh, Will wanted to know, what did you learn from your guys' Bugaboo Saga? <laughs> Do you hate that question? I hate that question, <laughs> Will. You suck. <laughs> what did I learn? Uh, Bugaboo Saga. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, honestly, what I learned about from the Bugaboo Saga is that, like, at the end of the day, like, it's mm, it's really dope to send. And in theory, that's, like, the the best way to end trips is, like... Both parties sending, but ultimately, I think I would have done it all the same if I knew the outcome of me not sending. Wow! Like I still would have gone every summer and like tortured myself and spent all that time up mm. there with Will. You know, like he's like family. Like we're so close and we're hmm. homies, and and we have our ups and downs in our friendship for sure. But like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have not done that with him. Mm. You know, yeah. And I think that's like that, like ultimately the lesson is like partnerships are way stronger than names and grades.
0: Hmm. Yeah. What is something that you have been feeling especially grateful for lately?
2: Mm, Especially grateful for grateful wine. I'm pretty (laughs) grateful for wine. I've been getting into wine recently. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That might be the
0: best answer I've gotten to that question. That's
2: Uh, fantastic. I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, this year has been such a tough year and who am I to like, bitch and complain about it. It's been hard for almost every human on the planet, but I've been pretty grateful for the community and and my small community of like the Alpine Start crew and good friends like Jesse and Will and just like having, you know, been able to like have some sanity throughout this year. It's been cool and yeah, be able to like make some gains in the other aspects of life that you know might not be like sending my hardest pitches right now, but mm. doing some really cool things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are. Real quick before we move on to some of that stuff, what uh, what kind of wine drinker? Are you a red wine drinker? I drink it all.
2: All? Yeah. Okay. I mean, red and white. I yeah. definitely, you know, it depends. I, I like Any to go-to? try to pair wine with what I'm cooking. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, so tell me about So I like cooking to cook actually. a lot. <laughs> um, I don't uh Yeah, I guess I've always liked to cook. And then during COVID, obviously, started to cook even more and more. So- And I I don't really have like a special thing that I like, you know, like I I recently started working with this company Traeger that does like smoker grills and stuff. So I've been getting way into like kind of like barbecue style cooking or like mixing kind of dishes that you wouldn't do on the barbecue and smoke, but smoke, like normally you'd bake them. okay And then- I don't know. I just like cooking outside too over fire. That's part mm. of the, the grill thing. Mm. It's like, I love cooking meat over fire. It's like, mm. I don't know. I'm like way into it. Like Francis cool. Mallmann's like my life hero. Who? Francis Maulman. He is in the first season of chef's table. He's like, Oh, okay. Argentinian guy. That just is like. Cooking outside. Dope. Meat. Meat cook. <laughs> um, only cooks over an open fire and only drinks wine out of magnums. It's like, <laughs> he's such a boss. And he wears a poncho. It's amazing. Um, But no, I like, I like all sorts of stuff, but I I definitely prefer wines that I have like a story to, you know, like drink, I drink a lot of Spanish wines from some of the places I've spent a lot of time Mm. in France too. So very cool. Um, I would say if I had to choose, I like Spanish wine.
0: Cool. Yeah. What is next for Alpine start? Well, this has been a crazy
2: year. We survived, but (laughs) it wasn't easy. Um, but we've launched some, we're launching some new products, awesome. uh, which I'm pretty fired up about. So we've had these ideas for these new products for a couple years now, and it just has taken us a lot of time to like really refine them. And it's probably been three years. And I, I think we realized that instant coffee is cool in the mountains, but we wanted something that you people would drink all the time type mm-hmm. of scenario. And, you know, we started to realize like, what do we add to our beverages and our coffee? And Mike... Randomly, uh, grew up on a mushroom farm, like hmm. uh, medicinal mushrooms, and then also just normal edible mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So he's he was his knowledge of that was was pretty high, and we started experimenting with just different types of functional ingredients. Um, so one of them is like MCTs, which is like really good for brain function, um, and then we added some medicinal mushrooms. Um, like lions mane. Uh, like? Yeah, we're doing lions mane and reishi. Okay. Um, and then vitamins D and A, which is like good for immunity. Okay. And then we have coffee, and this coffee is going to be an, an like organic Mexican coffee, which is cool. And then we're doing a matcha. Okay. So the matcha I'm like really psyched on. And fortunately the, the mushrooms that we're using, they were using what's called beta glucan. So it's like an extract from the mushrooms. It's organic and they're grown in the U S but uh, it's flavorless. Mm. So it's like a little bit different than some of the other brands out there that are making this mushroom coffee, but it like kind of tastes like mushrooms and earthy mm.
0: and it's kind of gross. Like Four Sigmatic. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we're, we're kind of leading with flavor for sure. Nice. And then the functional stuff and the matcha is like, amazing like i think the match is like probably the thing i'm the most proud of cool for sure okay it tastes so like i've been drinking it every day wow yeah nice. uh, and so is mike so so that's uh that's cool to like. I mean, instant coffee is cool. You drink it in the mountains, but it's I don't drink it every day. I've been drinking the matcha every day. Mm. You know, like it's like it's awesome. And and I think, you know, I think people will really like the coffee too. I drink I, you know, typically how I've been doing is like I'll have like a normal pour over in the morning and then second cup instead of having another coffee, like I've been doing the matcha. Oh, okay. Um, which has been awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, so sweet. Cool. I'm yeah. looking
0: forward to all that. When does that stuff
2: we're going to be launching in January on a Kickstarter. Okay. So, um, if this is live by then, check it out. Um, <laughs> hopefully, don't make it live before then because I'd get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we decided to go with launching on a Kickstarter just because this year's been kind of weird and funds and cash flow and and all that stuff. And um, it's a product that we really believe in and stand behind more so than anything else that we've created. So, I think, you know, our idea is that, you know, hopefully our community and core users
0: like see that and mm. help us out. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. I will uh, certainly link to it and we'll, we well, yeah, we'll coordinate and this will come yeah. out after cool. the things yeah. live. So people can go check it out right yeah. now. Sounds as good. As soon as this check, episode's check over. Check it out. Uh, what's next for your climbing? Uh, I'm heading to St.
2: George tomorrow. With a minor stop and (laughs) veil, Okay. Um, To ski? uh, No. I'm getting a little procedure done.
0: Oh, that's right. (laughs)
2: This cracked me up. You told me this earlier. So, when I was in Wyoming with Maddie and Jesse, I took a fall and tweaked my back. And this is in August. And I didn't think much of it. I got an MRI. And my doctors were like, ah, you kind of minorly strained some vertebra. Like no big deal, like you should be fine, like uh, just give it some time and go get massages and chiropractors and and it just kind of got worse. Mm. And I finally got in to see uh, some people at the Stedman Clinic, so was pretty, pretty stoked yeah, um, to amazing. make that happen. And they're gonna give me like, a, it's like a really strong anti-inflammatory shot in my okay. back. Um, so it, it's a pretty minor procedure, but uh, I'm pretty psyched because hopefully my back will stop hurting because it's, yeah. been, it's been pretty rough. I guess I've still been climbing through it, but like way lower volume. Mm. Um, I don't know, it might just be getting old, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm going to St. George. I'm pretty psyched climbing the BRG. I've actually climbed there once when I was like 16. So I haven't really climbed there a ton. So there's okay. a lot to do. Um, you know, there's the obvious routes. I'd love to try Necessary Evil yeah. if I feel up for it. I'd be pretty so- Amazing. stoked to do that. And then. Um, do you feel like
0: you're in shape for that?
2: I feel like I'm in decent shape. I have no idea how hard that's going to feel. It oh, okay. might be too much. Okay. But my idea is, is like it's a pretty, It's I have like just over two weeks and uh, I'd like to do something and then start trying that, Mm. you know, uh, unless I get there and I'm like, okay, this is like way out of my ability range right now. Then I'll just try something else. But ideally I'd start putting the work in on it and either do it this trip or be like, okay, I need to get a little fitter and then try to find something a little bit easier to do on this trip and then come back for necessary. It's kind of like how I like to roll. Like recon mission. Yeah. A little bit. So it's a little bit more of a recon mission. And then. I don't know. Then I get back in ski season <laughs> and kind of see what happens. I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, traveling so weird right now. I mean, yeah. I got a lot of tr- plans for Wyoming next summer. Yeah. Um, That I'm pretty psyched on, like going back to the Wind River Range and finish up this route. Let's talk about that. What? Tell me about your project on Mount Hooker. So Jesse Huey and I went out there on one trip and started up the wall. But Mount Hooker's is dope. Like 2000 foot granite wall. That's Pretty different than a lot of other granite faces because it's super featured, like hmm. really featured. Uh, so it's not a lot of crack climbing. There's some crack climbing. And we were just like, we got some beta from a friend of ours. And it was like, oh, I think there's a line between there. And we're just like, there's a splitter. So we like climb a splitter and then it's like a blank face. And it's like, okay, let's tack out on the face and like play some bolts and like link up with the next splitter, you know? So it's like really cool. Like hmm. some pure gear climbing, some pure bolted pitches, some mixed pitches, um, but jesse and i went we started up and then maddie hong came out with us which is awesome he's like i've known him for since he was a kid and uh he's just such a talented climber and and good dude and and like willing to do the hard work yeah mm-hmm. which is cool, cool. And, yeah. and i mean jesse's a mog like he's like he's a boss like he's just so good at and he's put up two other routes on mount hooker too so he's oh, okay. like super familiar with how the wall nice. works um but it was sweet man it was also like if, you know, the last summer with going to climb on the path was, like, a stepping stone, this was, like, another stepping stone of, like, on sighting and, like, being in the mountains and, like, kind of on, like, mini, like, low-key expedition type stuff and just, like, heavy loads and hauling bags and just kind of beating up yourself and, and putting up a new line. And, yeah, we're pretty stoked. There's going to be a lot of hard climbing on it. A couple of 513 pitches <laughs> of okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2,000 foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it it'll, it'll be pretty sweet. We're we're sweet. fired up. So we're going to go back for that uh probably July, August at some point. And then I don't know, hopefully the borders will be open. I don't know, you know, it's hard mm. to, it's hard to it's hard to say uh depends on a lot of stuff. I'd like I have some local projects that I need to be in like bouldering shape for this spring that if it works out my f- ideal world is all just boulder and ski this winter mm. boulder inside and just try to get fit and ski okay to try some stuff um, okay but I feel like I'm pretty living a pretty as we all are like a pretty fluid yeah I'm not really trying to like wrap my head around being super stiff with my goals mm-hmm. it's kind of flexible okay yeah so the hooker thing Makes is not sense. I'm really psyched on the hooker thing and then I got this big road trip idea that I want to do that's a uh, kind of like Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, like linking up with friends and climbing at their local zones and like cooking from their local ingredients. So kind awesome. of like a weird mashup between sweet food and climbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, are you gonna make a? Are you gonna film? Yeah, that we'll or... do something. I, yeah. I don't know. We have it. It's not like for sure yet. You know. But uh, yeah, some do something. But yeah, just kind of like a fun idea that I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to like see what else everybody else is cooking. So, uh. Yeah. Okay. that's I mean
0: there's cool. places I'd love to go, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know. Who knows? One day at a time. Yeah. yeah. The last thing I'd love to ask you about is better be good. Freedom of the wheels. <laughs> that's pretty good. I uh I asked Will about this. And he didn't answer you. Dude, he was like, he's like, I thought it was kind of hokey. I'm kind of embarrassed about the whole thing. And I was like, it's amazing, yeah. Will. It's well. the best climbing film that's ever been made that's not <laughs> about climbing. Will, I'm surprised Will and I are still friends after that, <laughs> to be honest.
2: Will was so pissed. He's so pissed. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's so pissed. I it kind looked, of like, I kind of like, it looks sketchy, actually. I, I kind of, I kind of like
0: snuck, like, he didn't, yeah. I kind of tricked him. <laughs> I kind of tricked him. Will you frame it for people that haven't seen it? I'll link to it in the show notes, but. So,
2: I wanted to make a movie that was making fun of adventure movies Mm. and myself. So because, you know, you watch these adventure movies and I love it. I've been guilty of being filmed in them too. But it's like, this is the raddest, next best thing ever, you know? And it was just like, I was like, dude, let's like make fun of all that and like make a funny story. And the story was that like I failed in the Bugaboos and was like super depressed and like needed some inspiration. And I came up with like a first, whatever, FKT trip of, taking scooters like they did in dumb and dumber uh in the winter time from from boulder to aspen we we're gonna ice climb in aspen and we we're gonna ride scooters but my stipulation was we had to actually ride the scooters from boulder to aspen like i didn't want to pose that like i was like we gotta actually do it like we could like we could pose down on everything else but like we're freaking riding the scooters like from boulder to aspen and um Will's just like, yeah, he just, I was dragging him along on it. And I got really sick actually on the trip. Oh. I was like, just like mowing Dayquil, but it was sketchy as fuck, dude. It was yeah. way sketchy. It was like, I mean, we're going like freaking like 20, like, 10 20 miles an hour on like icy roads over passes and stuff like it was horrifying like i was riding like miles with like mountain boots on the ground just like to keep balance like oh my it was god. like it was oh horrifying. my god
0: yeah. so, i mean sometimes literally this is true sometimes when i'm driving in snowy weather over the last couple of years i just You know, I'm kind of gripped or whatever, and I just picture you and Will on that little. It was the
2: dumbest thing I've ever
0: done, for sure. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, and Will's just as dumb because he let me
2: guide him down the freaking road on like a 50cc scooter. (laughs) I almost rode the scooter here tonight. Actually, (laughs) I did it. Yes, but yeah, it was fun, And, and it was. It ended up not getting the point across that I wanted to get across. We have another idea for a, a next one that. W- oh my! I won't. Is, I won't drag Will into this one, but uh, we'll see if it, it happens. No, but, you, please. But uh, I kind of just. I don't know. Just you know, I feel like we all, especially now, we take everything so seriously, and it's you get just all the kind of, listeners
0: to peer pressure. Him. What we'll get all the listeners, listeners to, to peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. We need freedom on the wheels, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but just to like have fun with it, you know, yeah. And that's a, like honestly, that's kind of how I've approached my climbing. If you've seen the boys and the bugs, you kind of get that. And and just you know, if you're not having fun, what's the point? And not to say that everything's a joke, but like I don't know, it'd be kind of more fun if it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: can't wait to see where you go (laughs) (laughs) we'll see yeah (laughs) well right on man this has been incredibly fun sweet dude really enjoyed talking to you you're you're incredibly interesting guy thanks for having me i I, I guess we covered so much different stuff it's so interesting (laughs) what you're up to these days so yeah looking forward to the new products with alpine start and uh look forward to seeing how this thing turns out on mount hooker yeah yeah i'll be rooting for you guys yeah thanks sounds good dude cool cheers man cheers have a good one friends before you go just a reminder that the kickstarter we talked about is now live and you can find a link to that in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or right there in your podcast app check out the coffee with benefits and the matcha get some extra perks and support a great company that is making great products thank you all for tuning in much love we'll see you next time
1: like we do it, like we do it We got the right stuff We cook the hammer right now Wanna be like us? Look, you Hours you can freak out one in a million, going gonna shine bright and you never go dim. One, two, three, four, cuz, cuz, cuz. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cuz no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cuz no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cuz no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. We got the right. We do it.